Well, turn to Colossians 3. We're going to be continuing on in here. And let me just explain to you how this works. A lot of preachers, what they'll do is they'll find topics to preach on that are kind of relevant and work real well with putting people in the seats and, you know, how to, how to increase your bank account, how to get the greatest gal or guy, or how to uh, be successful in what you do. And, and I don't preach any of that stuff. And so, um, except when it comes along. Except when it comes through. Because what we're doing is we just go through the Scripture. Most of the time we go through the Scripture. What I was just talking about was topical teaching. And there's, there's some great value in topical teaching. We'll do some during the summer. But right now we're going through the book of Colossians. And the way that works for me and for you is I have a segment of Scripture that I'm going to cover. And I have to get in there. I have to look and see, okay, what is it that was written? What is it that God has for you and me that He wants to give to us so that our lives might be rich and full. And so that's what I'm doing today. I'm simply diving into what is here. We're going to pull it out and then we're going to apply it into our lives. This morning I have a question for you. How many of you love those fixer-upper shows? Yeah, some of you? Some of you live by those? All right. Let me just tell you, if you live by those, you need to go to a, next, you need to switch channels over to a counseling show, Uh, because when we got our first house, I definitely needed counseling. Uh, We needed marriage counseling, serious marriage counseling, uh, because my wife had watched probably six to seven years of those shows, just building them up in her mind. When I get my first house, we own our first house, this is what we're going to, we did it in a week. Seven years in one week. And uh, oh my goodness, it was a challenge to say the least. But we like watching them. And, and we have some of our favorite shows. And my favorite one is International House Hunters or something. I don't know, something like that. Because I dream of living on an island all by myself. After age 95. All by myself. I'm very excited about that. So I'm scouting out for my island somewhere. Um, and my wife has 14 other shows that she watches. So this morning, we're talking about curb appeal, all right? We're talking about curb appeal. We're in Colossians 5, sorry, 3, 5 through 11. So let's look at that scripture this morning. But before we do, you know, here's a picture of one of the fixer-uppers, right? Now, which one has better curb appeal? It's It's not rocket science, folks. Yeah, the one on the right, right? Here, let me use my little laser pointer. Here we go, the one on the right. Is this screen working yet? Yes, good. The one on the right, right back here. So how many of you, now there's always one in every crowd, right, that just wants to, you know, be that person. Oh no, I'll take the one on the left. That's, I love that. That's me. Now maybe because you want to fix it up and make it your own. Maybe you hate blue and white. Maybe you would have painted it something different. Uh, but is there anybody here today that would choose this one versus this one for the same money? For the same money. (laughs) Okay, that's key, right? All right, so we're kind of tracking on the same page. Next. You ever seen these shows? Right? Now, if we're talking about curb appeal today, we don't have any spiritual emphasis on what to do with your house. It's a metaphor. And so now we're kind of taking this curb appeal idea and we're taking it and applying it to ourselves. And so I don't know who this guy is, but obviously he's had a makeover. And actually, this is me in the morning, and uh, then this is me by noon, maybe. Um, 
And so, you know, there's a little bit of a makeover. So really this idea of curb appeal is making yourself, what? Appealing. Whether it's a property, and we'll use that metaphor throughout today, or whether it's uh, ourselves personally. I got a lot of compliments today on this new sweater. My wife bought it for me last night around 8.30 in the evening. And she came home. She said, honey, I'm going to transform you. You're going to look so great in this. And last week I wore a suit and a bunch of people told me how great I looked. People that don't ever tell me how great I look when I'm not wearing a suit. No, I'm just kidding. And so, you know, we dress up. This morning you might have given some thought as to how you look because you might want to look appealing, right? What about your food? How many really struggle with eating ugly looking food? Like, and you're like thinking, I don't, well, I have two people that raise their hands out of the entire group. So this may not translate, but I would just like to know who here is into eating that. If that's served on your plate, would you send it back? Raise your hand if you're sending it back. Or how many of you are like sharpening your knife and you're salivating and you're ready to go? All right, we got one. Thank you for honesty, Mike. Nobody's coming to your house for dinner, Mike. Okay. So this morning, as we talk about curb appeal, let's get into the scripture. I'm just giving you just a couple ideas here this morning, looking at that. And as we do so, I'm going to ask the guys to reset that projector, or I'm not going to know where we're going. All right, turn to Colossians 3, and we're going to read verses 5 through 11. This is our text this morning. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator." Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, Scythian, barbarian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Well, let's, let's look at what that means. So this morning, as we break it down, number one, I have a question for you. And I asked about eight people this question earlier this week. And we've got sermon notes. You can write this stuff down in your sermon. So I don't have the luxury of asking each of you this morning, but we'll just We'll just put the question out there. If you could buy a house, would you buy a cracked house or would you buy a crack house? All right, so think about it. Would you buy a house with a crack somewhere in it? Maybe even the foundation, right? Horrible, right? Or would you buy a house that was a crack house and had the reputation throughout the entire city for being a crack house and you had... Uh, a, a family and young children as well. So just something to, to, to contemplate there. I'm not going to get too far into that, but let's look at that in context to verses 5 through 6. It says, Put to death therefore what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Verse 6 is a scary verse. A lot of people don't like to talk about the wrath of God. God is this picture of the benevolent, all-loving, all-powerful, gigantic gumball machine in the sky, right? Take our quarter, drop it in as a prayer, and God gives us whatever we want. There is another part of who God is. 
And one of the challenges that I list to people all the time is simply this. When we take the whole account of Scripture to contemplate the flood and the magnitude of what happened at the flood, that helps us understand the God that we serve. We don't like to think about that God. Our God is benevolent. Our God is all-loving. But our God is also holy. He is the creator of all things. The creator of you. The creator of this world. Not the creator of sin. And sin has such everlasting consequences until the cross. Sin has such everlasting and damaging consequences that it will turn and transform what is beautiful into something that is hideous. And God does not sit back. Now, if God was a wrathful God just to be a wrathful God, then I don't want any part of that. And I don't think you do either. But God's wrath comes because of what? What did the Scripture say? It comes because of these sins and the hideousness that happens because of these sins. I've often talked about sin in this context. That A friend of mine told this illustration, and he did it with brownies. And uh, he said he made a, a, a box of brownies one time. And he brought it to, uh, to a, 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 something like this, a time when he was speaking. And he said, hey, I've got these brownies up here. Would anybody like them? And, and he was speaking to a bunch of youth. And so, yeah, like five kids raised their hands. Yeah, I love brownies. So they come up and he says, by the way, these are freshly baked. And they're really good. As a matter of fact... I didn't even bake them because I know you wouldn't want something that I bake. But my wife, who's really good at baking, and some of them have had her brownies. So now there's more people who want the brownies. And so he lets them actually take a piece. But right before they put it in their mouth, he says, oh, I was involved in a small part of the process. See, just before we uh, mixed it all together, I went in the backyard and I got... Um, some of my dog's um, poo, just a little bit. And I just, you know, like you've got all the mixture here, and I just took this much, and I dropped it in there. Go ahead. Feel free to eat. None of them took a single bite. Now, again, that much, just that much, yuck, mixed into the beautiful brownie mix. And what was the consensus? I ain't touching that. I really want you to remember that this morning. I don't have brownies. But I got something else. My daughter made cupcakes. And I had one yesterday, and they are fantastic. Let's keep going. Paul breaks this down into two sections. So if you haven't caught on yet, Paul is talking about what brings the wrath of God. Paul's, we've, we've come out of this section where Paul says in chapter 2, stop submitting yourself to the elemental spirits of these worlds and, and these, um, these teachers that tell you, don't do this, don't do that, don't taste, don't handle, don't touch, because it's worthless. It's absolutely powerless against the indulgences of the flesh. And then we transition last week into the next thought that he has for everybody, and that's this. Set your mind on the things above. Set your mind on Christ, who is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Think about Christ. 
emulate Christ. Where your mind is, remember, I, I told you a little thing about control the head, control the body with my, with my son, right? And so now what does he do? And I knew that this was coming as I prepared the sermon a few weeks ago about tattoos, beer, and Jesus. Now Paul gives us a list. Wait, Paul, how can you be giving us a list? You just told us not to listen to the guy that says, don't do this, don't do that, don't do... Because what he's saying is, look, there are those out there that are going to try to pressure you into legalism. And they're going, to, they're going to talk about things that really have no relevance at all, and they're not damaging to the body, but they want to control you. That's what he was talking about. And, and to do that for the sake of trying to come across spiritual is even worse, because it has no power to do that. Instead, what should you do? You should focus on God. Now that he's got our attention and our focus and our eyesight and our hearts focused on God, what does he say? Now here is God's holy standard for you. So in case a few weeks ago we'd arrived at the point of, wow, that's fantastic, we have this freedom to do whatever we want. No, that's not what Paul was saying. Now Paul says, look, God has his standard for you, and it's there so that you don't create a hideous representation of yourself you don't suffer from the ugliness that sin leaves in your life so he starts with the first five sins oddly enough all these sins are sexual sins and this isn't going to play well today if i was doing this at uh some uh some school or something i'd probably get hit and not with like food like i'd probably just get hit the number one rule in creating appeal, appeal, demolition before decor. See, so often what we want to do is we want to make ourselves look really good, but we've not done what we need to do with what's damaged. And so Paul is saying, look, yes, yeah, set your mind on Christ, but what you need to do is you need to make sure that you're getting the things that are ruining you, that are toxic, that are damaging, you need to get those things out of your life. And so he starts with this list. By the way, these are just two lists. This is not comprehensive whatsoever. This is just two lists. And so we're going to look at what Paul's giving to us today. So he says sexual sin can be a deal breaker. And so he gives five versions of this. So sexual immorality, the first one, and it's, it's this word that we know has been made very popular in our society. But the Greek word here is porneia. And it is sexual immorality, and it's any form of sexual relationship. It's any form. And so he's saying that, in the sense outside of marriage, or the context that God has provided, actually is demolition. It's actually that which has a little something there that ruins the purity of who I've intended you to be. Next, impurity. So this is a different word. This is akathonasia, right? This is impurity. It's crudeness or numbness to sexual matters. You answer me this question. Are we a different society than we were 50 years ago? 20 years ago? 10 years ago? And on and on and on we hear, what's the big deal? And the reason, and the, the logic behind the what's the big deal is this, is that it's just comparative to what was before. It's just comparative to what was before. You wouldn't do that in the real world. You wouldn't do that in any other subject, but we give license and permission. You want to know why we give license and permission? Don't judge me. 
We can just say those words, don't judge me. You know why we say don't judge me? Because we don't want to be judged. Right? So if I can eliminate the authority, the moral authority that's over me, then I don't have to be judged and I can do whatever I want. That's fantastic. Talk to somebody who has syphilis. Talk to somebody whose marriage has completely fallen apart because they got caught sleeping around. Don't judge me. Now that's probably the last vestige we have, right? I think most of society would say, if you cheat on your husband or wife, that's a bad thing. You know what? That's going to be gone in 10 years. I'll guarantee it. We are now celebrating, and and it's happened. We are now celebrating, and all we have to do in our society is give it a classified name. We give it a classified name, we make it sound scientific, then it's something that we've taken the morality out, and that's the agenda. Let's take the morality out. Because I don't want to have to listen to any morality. I don't want to listen to Paul's morality, which is actually God's morality. And yet, we don't operate this way in any other sense of the world, logically. And I'll get back to that in just a second. The reality is this. You're going to see relationships that are legal to have multiple wives, have multiple husbands. Because who cares? And I'll just tell you that that if, if I wasn't a believer, I could care less. Because we've got an, equaling, uh, an equilibrium, we've got a qualifier out there, don't judge me. Then why not have multiple wives? Why not have multiple husbands? Because it'll drive you insane. Okay? It'll just drive you nuts. But please, 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 if, if, you're, if you're fine with an open sexual relationship, don't expect your partner to be faithful to you. That would mean you're hypocritical. Because there's no basis. There is absolutely no basis for you to hold to a monogamous relationship when we don't want to be held accountable to this prior to marriage. How do you think this works? Oh, because I signed a contract or because I said I do to this one person, I'm going to be faithful. Let me tell you how the heart works and you tell me if I'm wrong. How much more does it hurt if someone gets involved with impurity, let's just start with impurity, crudeness or numbness to sexual matters. Women, how, how excited are you about your men viewing porn? It's not a big deal. They're not actually acting on, on adultery. Because that's the lie a bunch of men have bought, by the way. So for a lot of men out there, it's, it's really no big deal. By the way, uh, some of you may be sitting here saying, okay, guys, um, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not married, so it's really not a big deal. You know, when I get married, where do you think all of that visualization is going to go? Where do you think all of that is going to go? And what if your beloved wife doesn't quite look like or act like what you see on a screen which is fake. Have you taken damaged goods into that relationship? You see, nobody wants to talk about this, but it's a reality. It's that area that we pastors have to constantly counsel in. But nobody will talk about it. Because we don't want to what? We don't want to judge. We don't want to judge. Evil sexual passion, that's the next one. 
By the way, your, your, your scriptures probably say passion. There's nothing wrong with passion. That, that's an abbreviated thing for evil sexual passion. All right, and, and it really is this idea that this leads to excessive sexual immorality and perversion. Evil desire, wanting something that is vile or sinister to gratify one's desire. Greed or idolatry, relentless urge to get more for oneself. Which is interesting that those words, like for evil sexual passion, the Greek word there is pathos. Probably where you're most, most familiar with that word is when you hear somebody who has gone into a health situation that is dire. The, the, the doctor lets them know what the pathology of the disease is. Folks, this isn't... I, I wish I had more joyful stuff to preach on. But this is the reality of life. And nobody is going to speak about the damage of this. So let's bracket up just a bit. Oh, i got these great... Cupcakes. I told you yesterday I ate one, right? And it tasted great. As a matter of fact, I'm driving while I'm eating it, and it's just the frosting's kind of fallen all over me in the car and almost caused a five-car pileup on Clayton. And uh, really good stuff. I have another cupcake here. And I have some decorations. I'm going to put on that cupcake. Anybody hungry? Oh, no, I'm serious. Anybody hungry? It's just a decoration. So these are up for, for someone to come grab. You guys are all, there's a trick in here somewhere. Look, folks, it, I, I didn't do anything. They are what you see. You can grab either one. You can sit and eat a cupcake in church and you won't get reprimanded. Anybody? Let me say it one more time. You can have either cupcake. Does anybody want... I'll even bring it to you. Would anybody... Nobody wants either cup. You really don't trust me at all, do you? <laughs> I will tell you, I took these right out of the pan, both. Nothing was done to them other than the original baker until right now in this moment. You could have either cupcake. Joe, you want to have a cupcake? All right, come on up and, and just grab whichever cupcake you want. Go ahead. And survey says... Joe, I decorated that cupcake. And you didn't take it. Would anybody like this cupcake? You could have either one. Does anybody want this cupcake? You want to know what's in it? Or what's on it? Yes, we do have a rabbit and a guinea pig. That's good stuff right there. Let's get to the second point. Number, by the way, look at the cons- consensus point here. So, look, we're talking about sin today, and it's not real popular. Wait, wait, sorry. Joe, you can't distract entire. I'm preaching here. <laughs> Just sit and eat your cupcake. Don't talk to other people. It's safe, I guarantee you. 
was the last time I give away food during a sermon. The house is going to be condemned eventually. If we don't address, and if we don't do what? If we don't demolish those things that are eroding at our appeal, at our curb appeal, and then change those things, the appeal goes away. You get it? This is what Paul's trying to say. And so much of the time we want to turn a blind eye to it because we don't want to hear it. Because we're convinced that the other things, these things actually satisfy us when in fact they imprison us. And used incorrectly, they destroy us and their sin. You know, it all goes back to the garden. Because when we want to have the challenging, honest conversation about sexual sin, we want to excuse things away. And it sounds a whole lot like the entire circumstances surrounding the very first sin ever committed. You see where the serpent turned to Eve and said, does not that look appetizing? And she comes back with truth and she says, we were told not to eat of it. And what's the serpent do? You just twist the words a little bit. Just a little bit. Just to throw in some doubt. Just to give permission to go beyond the barriers that God had created for protection. To create and give order and beauty and goodness. All that was needed was just a twisting of the words. Did God really say? Did God really say? Did the inspector really say we need to repipe the house? I'm not, you know, he, he might have suggested it, but you know, it wasn't an absolute, and he said that I might get 10 years out of it. You ever had that conversation with the people trying to buy your home? I don't really think that's what the inspector said. And when it comes to Scripture, sometimes what we do is we say, is that really what Scripture says? Is that really what it says? Well, let's look at the second five things this morning. And the second five sins, rule number two in creating appeal, if the walls are talking, it should send you walking. My wife and I, with that house, um, we ended up in a scenario where we replaced a bunch of things. We replaced the roof. We put in air conditioning. We replaced the lawns. We redid the plumbing. We repiped the house. We did carpet. We actually, when we bought this house, it had those mirrors that had the gold fleck on the wall, you know, the, the mirror on the entire wall, and there's that gold stuff running through it. I don't know who thought that up, but man, you should get an F in art. And, and I remember when we moved in, Prior to moving in, that was the first project we tackled. We took a crowbar, and it was glued with some kind of super space technology glue to the wall. And we literally took a crowbar behind the mirror, between the wall and the mirror, because we're really smart that way. And I would start pushing, and Janine would be pulling. And I, the plan was for me to say, run, when, when we felt it coming away. And we survived, but it really was not smart. 
You know, there's those ugly things that we change around, that we say, this has no place. And so Paul gives us a second thing. Second five sins that are related to speech, verses 8 through 9. Let's look real quickly. He says, but now you must put away them all, or put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. So what's this mean? He gives us now uh, five other sins that tend to be predominant, at least in that society. Back in, in a, it was kind of a Greco-Roman society. All right. And he says, look, you're struggling with this. You have an image problem. You have an appeal problem. That to look like Christ looks like this, and it, it, it is to stand out, it is to look significantly better than this. And yet you keep diving back into this. So let me help you out a little bit here. What are some of those things that you tend to take on? You tend to uh, advertise that really don't make you all that appealing towards Christ. So the first five had to do with sexual sin, which was rampant in that society. The second five things have to do with speech. Isn't that fascinating? So number one, it has a word here, anger. A continuous attitude of hatred that remains bottled up within. Do we struggle with anger? And some of us may want to use the scripture to our advantage here and say, well, Jesus got angry. Yes, he did. But it wasn't a bottled up anger that remained in hatred for a person. It was righteous indignation towards an action that was incredibly offensive towards God. It was the proper attitude of passion and reaction or response against a huge offense. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about just general anger. Next, rage, outbursts of anger, or quick temper for selfish reasons. Anybody here struggle with those things? That, that's incredibly challenging. And we want to be dismissive of it. But you know, you're not all that appealing. I'm not all that appealing when I have these outbursts of anger. Last night, we had some things going on in the house. I share way too much about my personal life with you guys. We had some things going on in the house, and I'm, I'm sitting down, I've got my food on my lap, and I'm watching the Warriors game, and all of a sudden my dog, it's always my dog, all of a sudden my dog and my son are wrestling on the floor, my wife's trying to go in and out over here, uh, something's happening over here on my left, and I've got the Tim Conway recliner, Right? I was so excited about this thing that, you know, you push a button and it goes, and you have to wait till the next year to actually get there. In the meantime, my son is bleeding out on the floor from the attack by the dog. And I've got this food on my lap and I'm trying to find a place. And, and I'm just getting, so, and Janine's standing in the, in the doorway into the garage and she's looking at me and I go to get the dog off, because I yell at the dog, the dog jumps on me, and I go to get the dog off me by pushing, he landed on my right leg, which was in transition, right? And he lands on the leg, and I go to push him off, and I pulled my muscle in my leg. 
And so I'm getting more and more frustrated that I can't get this thing, I can't get control of the situation. And so I'm like, God, dang it, I just pulled a muscle in my leg. And what does Janine say? I wasn't really all that appealing in that moment. I kind of really looked like a big baby. What was that? I kind of looked like a big baby. Now, I tell you that story because that's easy, right? But there have been times in my life where those quick outbursts of anger have had some consequences. Folks, we struggle with this. We struggle with this. And, and to know Christ and to have Christ in our lives doesn't mean that you're never going to get angry again, right? But it means that we lessen those things, that we start trusting in Christ, we let God do the work, and we start to demolish those things in our life that make us susceptible to anger. You got that? We demolish those things that make us susceptible to anger or bad speech or cruelty in our speech. Malice, deliberate harm or hurt for another person doing evil despite doing good. You know, bullying is a big topic out there in society right now. And this fits in that idea of bullying. It's a biblical concept. When we talk about the idea of what it means to be on the receiving end of that, but how often do we talk about being on the giving end of that. And what God is saying here is that my standard for you, that which makes you appealing, is to not be a person that is out there to destroy another person through your mouth. There's nothing appealing about that. Slander. Destroying another person's good reputation through lies, gossip, spreading rumors. Well, I guess we can just stop watching TLC then, right? How much of what we watch on TV is all about that? How much of your life through work or your friends or what we read or what we look on the internet, what we're drawn to on YouTube, Vines, whatever it is, is connected to this idea that we love watching people destroy themselves. And if we can be part of it, sometimes we really enjoy it. And again, I, I'm, I'm guilty of this in certain ways. I, don't, I wouldn't say I have malice, but I would say that sometimes I don't think. And there have been times where I've had, a, I've had a video of something that's pretty, you know, somebody does something embarrassing. And I love showing that. I love watching those things. I love telling people, go look at this. It's really funny. And that's kind of the thing that's in our, in our nature. I told my wife I had my life's most embarrassing moment this past week. And I've also told her I will never tell her what it was. Ever. Ever. And uh, if anybody had caught video of that, I would pay them both daughters' dowries. Which is about $13 and change. To make sure that that never gets out anywhere. But you know, if people were to talk about that, if people were to write about it, if it was what I became known for, I'd be crushed. But we don't think in those terms often. And guess what? 
How appealing is that person to you that is out there causing you so much hurt and so much harm through their mouth? They're not appealing. And this is what Paul's saying. Is that if you're setting your mind on Christ, if you're being Christ-like, if you're working towards the image of your Creator, guess what? You're not doing these things. This is sin. This is destructive. This makes you unappealing, is what he's saying. Lastly, filthy language, crude talk, abrasive language, expletives. This is the one I love. I absolutely love this. Now, you already heard me say some Christian cussing up here, right? You heard me say, dang it. For some of you, you're cringing that I just said that. Because you go back further than I go back. And so, you know, I'm willing to go out on a limb. They tell you in preaching you need to be risky. So, uh, you know, words like dang it and darn it. When I grew up, boy, you could get your mouth washed out for using those words. Right? And I actually now have people that could care less about this issue. They're saying, it's not like I'm murdering somebody. It's not like I'm sleeping around. It's not like I'm, I'm doing... Remember we talked about that, that that's what we tend to do, is we tend to compare sin to sin. That's how we nullify it. That's how we get comfortable with it. But the reality is, is what does God have as a standard? And, and there's been a movement, and it's interesting. I don't know if it's a NorCal thing. I don't think it is, but since I moved up here, I've met more pastors that love dropping S-bombs or F-bombs. And I'm, and I'm, like, I'm, I'm just trying to stop. And I'm just like, okay, don't react. Maybe you didn't actually hear that. Don't, you know, what, what just happened here? Did I time warp? What, you know, are you... And, and, you know, I'll come back. I'll circle back around a week later when we're not in the middle of that conversation. I'll say, so, where'd you get your degree? No, I'm, I don't say that. But what the, what the reasoning is, is look, look, it's not important. It's archaic. It's not a big deal. And by using language like that, I'm more real to people around me. Well, by that thinking, then you should just, you know, do a bunch of other things too. To be more real. But here's the reality, is that we say, that's nothing. That's nothing. The challenge is this. Nobody is going to eat this. So I just took it out of morality, didn't I? I took it out of the argument of morality. Because I I know, I know for some of us, it's not a big deal. I know when when I dove into filthy language, that some of you just tuned out immediately and you're already scripting, hey, you know what? Okay, pastor, I get you. You're conservative. But you're not eating this, are you? It's only just a little. It really doesn't matter. By the way, you won't taste it. it. might crunch a little bit, but you won't taste it. You see, how you really live, how I really live, is it doesn't matter how much whatever that is, is in here, you're not having any of it. Are you? But you see, there's a reason why we don't touch this area. I don't even know what I just said that was funny. I have no clue what was. I'll have to review that. Oh, I licked my finger again? <laughs> That's good stuff. Um, I'm telling you, it's a normal cupcake. 
cupcake. Folks, the idea is simply this. There's no getting around it. And, and in case you're wondering, where is it in Scripture that says I, I shouldn't be using filthy language? Boom, there you got it. And there's, there's at least three other spots. And we're not even talking about using the Lord's name in vain. This is just filthy language. Okay? That when we do that, we look like the world. And if you disagree with me, you're saying, well, no, Christians look like, <laughs> that doesn't mean that that's not what worldliness looks like or earthliness looks like. The reality is, I didn't make up the movie rating system. Did you? No. The world did. And what do you have to do to get an R rating? We're not going to talk about it here. This is church. But you know what you have to do to get an R rating. And you know that you can, in a PG-13, you can say X amount of things like nine times, but you can't say it ten. Right? <laughs> Who gets to determine that? That that's where our morality is. That if, boy, if you say it the tenth time, now it's really bad. But see, the reality is we, we have given over morality to nothing. We've given it over to nothing because if we hold on to any kind of morality, then we have to decide what morality are we holding on to? And then we have to go on a journey to figure out what, what, what does that look like? And that means that we're not going to have all the freedoms to do what? Well, what God says is do destructive behavior. Make you unappealing. Let me finish out today by saying this. What is your appeal? Actually, let's go to the inspector. So we're faced with some challenges about the reality of sin and let's look at verses 10 and 11 real quickly as we close today. Verse 10. And have put on the new self, right? And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. This is the idea that, that you have now been transformed. You have become like Christ. You have become appealing. You have gone from the old house to that new house. You have gone from the guy that's like, you saw it, and then he went to this. And the change. That that's what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ. It means that we are created and we are taking on that image of Jesus Christ. And so the question is, inspector, friend or foe? That's really the challenge for you and I today. Please don't get lost in all the, all the lists of sin that, that Paul gives. The main walk away today is simply this. Do you want to be appealing and who do you want to be appealing to? Do you want to be appealing to everyone around you and the world around you and all that's going on around you? Or do you want to be appealing to God? That's it. Now the question is, what's the reward versus the sacrifice? That's where you're really sitting, right? And if you're going to equate this to a house, the idea is if I'm going to repipe my house, it's going to cost me like, I don't know, $10,000, okay? But am I going to what? What's your next thought? What's your next thought? Am I going to make that back when I what? Sell my house. And if I'm not going to make it back when I sell my house, am I going to repipe it? No, I'll probably just fix the, fix the leak. Reward versus sacrifice. Well, that's the reality for you and I today, is that do we see the inspector, Jesus Christ, as friend or foe? Do we see him as friend or foe? So let me encourage you, get your life to code. The old code is obsolete. In Christ you were made new. The old person struggles with the darkness and ugliness 
and ruin that sin brings. But under Christ, we're made new in His image and He's transforming us day in, day out internally. Not to have some external look. Not to check mark boxes and say, I didn't say a bad word today. I didn't uh, practice malice towards anybody. I didn't, uh, I didn't view pornography today. Check mark. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about being changed, transformed from the inside out because you are appealing to Christ. You're appealing to Christ. And then those other things get taken care of by Christ. They get taken care of. Your, your desires change. Who you are as a person changes to look more and more like Christ. By the way, did you notice we, we live in a world that right now it's, it's racism is being talked about all over the place. Right? And did you notice this verse 11? It says, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Jesus is non-discriminatory. He wants goodness for all of us. And really, that's one of the reasons that Christianity proliferated in the, in the second century. It's because it was available to anybody, not just elite people or certain people or Jews. Or, it's available to everybody. And no matter what we have done, and you may have been looking at that list today saying, my goodness, boy, do I... Please. It's not about beating yourself up about what you have done. It's about becoming appealing through the work Jesus Christ can do through you to make you appealing. Satan desires for you to focus on all those things that you messed up on and the regret that you have. There's no life in that. Again, that's more destructive behavior. Paul doesn't list those things to try to beat people up who were challenged by those areas. He's listing them to say, this is what you looked like in the past. You need to look like Christ now in the future so that you don't suffer from those things. So what is your appeal? It's Jesus in you. That's what verse 10 says. It's Jesus in you. And I have two questions for you. Do, uh, I always have one grammatical re- mistake. There it is. No, it isn't. It, it's, it's me. I'm messing up. Do an inspection of your life and values. Are they within code? If not, choose to be either repulsive or restored. And then live in it. Now, you may say repulsive. That's a really strong word. Well, you're right. A lot of you were repulsed by my cupcake. And I'm not upset at you. Because it is repulsive. It's melting, too. Nobody would choose that. Not one of you would choose it. But how many of us choose to do those things in our life? Just little bits. Just little bits. And really, it makes us unappealing to God. So, you see the challenge. Do an inspection of your life and values. Are they within code? God's code. The code written in scriptures. If not, choose to either be repulsive or restored. That's it. Then live in it. It's very binary. It's very binary. It's like the inspector came along and said, you're either going to have to fix that fence or drop the cost of the house, $10,000. There's no wiggle room here. All right, let me close in prayer today. Father, the challenges of of looking at and seeing our own lives and how sometimes, Father, we get wrapped up in the world around us. 
there's a huge challenge in all that. There's a huge difficulty in all that. It's hard, God. It would be great if we were in heaven and we didn't have to be tempted by all these things or influenced by all these things. But that's not what we've been given right now. You have given us the power through your Holy Spirit and through your Word to be transformed, to be changed, and to not let the demolition of sin carry on within our lives. So Lord, let us contemplate this. Let us ask the defining question, are we appealing to you? We do not desire to be appealing to the world around us, That's a a defeated effort and a timeless effort. But a good effort and a strong effort is to simply please you and set our eyes and focus on you, God, so that you can do the demolition and then you can do the decor. Thank you, Father. To you be the glory. Amen.